much for joining us live and welcome if you listen to the podcast uh, to Run Chat Live. Episode 30, that sounds so magnificent, isn't it? It's like when you kind of get your first 20 minute 5k or something or your first four hour or three hour marathon. It's uh, so yeah, 30th edition of Run Chat Live. Um, so yes, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed last week, uh, 29 with Dr. Rich Willie. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, then do check it out. It was all about running for the older runner, the master's runner, which basically is anything 35 years plus. So that was very interesting for me. I just about squeezed into that veteran runner stage. Uh, yeah, check that out if you haven't already. Um, some fantastic information on that. Uh, you may have caught as well um, the uh, Brighton Beard special that I put out just a couple of days ago, which was nothing to do with running at all, but it was all about beards uh, as our sponsor is um, the Brighton Beard Company. Uh, from Brighton, where we operate from. Uh, that was fun. Uh, like I said, it came with like an advisory warning of if you don't have a beard or any facial hair, or if you're not interested in it, then just don't watch it. It will just, you'll probably never watch me again. But if you do have a beard, if you've got a beard and a run, then it's quite a select audience, but that's, they'll be even better for you. Uh, but yeah, if you do have a beard and you're into your oils and balms and grooming and all that kind of stuff and barbering, then uh, yeah, watch it. It's quite funny. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, and um, we have got um, a 15% promotion. If you do want to buy some stuff, then head over to www.thebrightonbeercompany.co.uk um, and put in the code RCL15. It's RCL, one check live, 15, and you'll get 15% off. Um, Lloyd, the co-founder who I talked to in the special uh, mentioned, actually, um, the Al Friston one, which um, came through the post fairly immediately, um, which was this bad boy. Vom, 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 vom. Uh, again, if you're not into beard bombs, then just switch off a sec. But man, this stuff <laughs> smells so good. It's like a drug, I swear. Um, I had to look it up. It's bergamot um, and rose geranium. I went for a run this morning. Oh, I've not sworn yet on this podcast, but if anything's going to make me swear, it's this. And it's not a marketing thing. It's just if you haven't got a beard. I went for a run this morning, and I swear it was only a 5K. It was literally 25 minutes, and I was smelling this bad boy all the way, just wafting up. It was amazing. Um, yeah, just check it out if you – if you, if you, yeah, well, you'll know what I'm talking about if you're bearded and you like that sort of thing. Um, anyway, enough talk of beards. So what have we got for you today? I'm very, 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 very excited about today. It's going to be very run-specific. Uh, therapists listen because um, it'll be useful if you're looking after runners because a lot of um, looking after injured runners is knowing understanding training understanding being able to give advice being able to forward that runner to a coach recommending coaching um, and as we'll see today as we talk to our special guest um, coaching does come in a 5k you know there's something like 623 park runs all over the uk and i wonder how many of them have actually considered seeing a coach to try and help them with that 5k um as soon as you do a half marathon or marathon bam you're online you're looking for support you're looking for help but if you take the 5k seriously and we'll see as we speak today with our guests that it can be a very very as a plenty of advantages of concentrating on your 5k properly and then you can get some wonderful help from coaches so who is this guest who is this man of mystery is going to help me with this today well it's none other than um the founder and head coach at runners connect uh mr jeff gordett who i have had the good fortune of knowing for um a long time um i joined them as a contributor a couple of years after they started i think in 2013 they started 2011 i think um as a writer um, was very happy because they were and still are probably one of the most science-based, evidence-based um, 
resources out there for runners. Um, you can see in the about section on their website, runnersconnect.net, they set up to try and help get rid of the myths, to clear things up for runners, um, to provide evidence, uh, to get rid of the fads and, and help you out. And that's what not just me, obviously I'm biased, but the other writing team have got on there. Um, in their history, in the in the courses they have produced, they've had contributors including uh, Brian Heiderscheidt, Dr. Irene Davis, uh, Pete Larson, Greg Lehman, um, myself. But I mean, I just say that because I just it makes me feel amazing to be on that list of people. Uh, but yeah, they've got some fantastic resources there, and it's all done in the name of evidence, which is what we're all about. So it gives me massive pleasure to introduce you and bring up uh, the founder of Runners Connect, who's going to talk today about how to get um, your PB in the 5K distance. I'll give him this five-second countdown. There we go. Jeff, how are you? Good morning to yeah, you. Good, how are you? It is morning, isn't it, where you are? It's morning, yeah. It's uh, 8.30 in the morning, nice and early. <laughs> That's what, yeah, because originally it was like you sent me this email going, hi, Matt, yeah, all prepared, can do this, super positive, but could we not do 6.30 a.m.? Could we maybe make <laughs> it a little bit later? <laughs> so, yeah, I got the time difference wrong, but, yeah, I hope 8.30 is a bit better for you. It's perfect. No, absolutely. So, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I appreciate, as with all my guests, you're a very busy man uh big entrepreneur with runners connect it's a fantastic website i'll say it again to your face i said it in the introduction uh, because Thank it just nails that kind of we like the evidence we want to have the references in it we want to if we say something we want to back it up with references at the bottom of the, of the page so that was always your intention was it when you started it up yeah absolutely um you know i think that's that had always been my approach as an athlete um uh, before i even started thinking about coaching and so um, and that was always the thing that made me the most angry or fired me up the most when I would read things is, you know, I'm like, it just has no, there's no basis for this to work. Um, why are people recommending this? And so I wanted to, I wanted to set something up where, um, you know, running and running physical or, you know, exercise science, whatever, there's not always a, a right answer. Um, but there is a lot, oftentimes evidence to support one theory or the other. And so that's kind of where I wanted to head with things. Yeah. And what's strange, and it's probably good for you, I think, in a sense, is I mean, you started in, was it 2011, was it? Yeah, that's when Runners Connect itself started. Um, I yeah. probably been coaching two, three years before that, but that's when the website started. Yeah. So even like, honestly, hand on heart, eight years later, if I had to send runners to a, an evidence based website to actually get through the crap that's out there, I could count them on a hand and you'd be at the top of the list pretty much. Wow. No, um, no, without a doubt. I mean, I'll, I'll shout out as well um, to Jason, who we had the other day, Jason Fitzgerald, who I know you know Jason's as well, awesome. his strength running, who's awesome as well. That would be the other one. But whilst, sadly, Runner's World and those major magazines are still putting out some of the dubious stuff, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's not caught up yet. So you're still producing a really good um, exclusive material. And, yeah, which hopefully we're going to talk about today when it comes to i mean you could talk about any distance couldn't you but 5k is what we're going to do today yeah that sounds um, great. any experience yourself with the 5k is it something you've personally kind of tried to challenge yeah. yourself with i would say the 5k was probably my primary event for four to five years um so yeah definitely a lot of ex personal experience coaching experience definitely uh this is where it's on the website so this is where if you like you can tell us what your pb was 
uh, I ran 1359. Uh, yeah, which was, you know, breaking 14 was a huge goal of mine. Because um, I, I ran 1407 when I was like uh, maybe 20. And so I thought, oh, yeah, for, you know, that'll come soon, you know. And it took another probably like five or six years to run 1359, just getting in the right race, being in the right shape, not being injured, you know, all the factors. So when I did it, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> that's a big time. That's that's nice. Um and that's, I mean, that was Olympic trial, kind of uh, the marathon you did. What was 2.22? Was that your marathon? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the marathon, I didn't um, I didn't run as quite as many. Um, I only did, I think, three um, before injuries kind of took their toll. Um, so, like, the times don't really line up as, as much as they should. But um, but the marathon's a different, different animal. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, I must, I hazard, oh, I hasten to add that, just be i'm the first to say that just because a coach or a therapist has a fantastic kind of history in in terms of personal best it doesn't automatically make them an expert there's some fantastically fast runners who are terrible coaches out there but but when we do get that combination of has been there run their heart out got amazing times and they're evidence-based then that's probably what makes i think runners connect and kind of your team uh, very special and stand out you've got both happening so um, it's great so um let's jump in with the 5k where should we start well we've already kind of started contrasting between the 5k and the marathon you look after all distances don't you on your on the website runners connect yep we do everything from 5k to the ultra do you think what sort of proportion of people are actually taking the 5k seriously yeah, it's, it's a pretty small percentage. Um, really, what you have is people that are just starting out and, and usually using the 5K as their first race, as their first goal. Um, and then you have the more advanced athletes who understand the benefits of probably running the 5K and, and or have previous results where they want to get faster. Uh, but there's the great majority that are in the middle that really just feel like the half marathon and the marathon are the, you know, uh, Kind of the crowning achievement of what it means to be a runner and so look at those races but i but i would say that um if you look at runners who take things seriously um they would be just as impressed with a fast 5k time as they would be by a half marathon marathon time um it takes the, definitely the same amount of dedication and uh, effort to run a fast 5k as it does to run a half marathon marathon yeah, without a doubt, it is strange because definitely within the yeah amongst the recreational runners, I mean, it's kind of cool because the five k is a distance. We got the like the couch to five k. It's something you can plan. It can get you into running, so it's got plenty of advantages. But it seems to be kind of yeah, like you say, dropped quite quickly and just a stepping stone. Whereas there's probably advantages for people hanging around a bit more at the five k instead of going for that half and full. No, I would say seventy five percent of runners would uh, help themselves a lot if they did not jump to the half marathon or marathon so quickly. Um, we see that all the time when runners are maybe running for about a year or maybe did the couch to 5k and then, you know, over maybe a 16, 20 week period, three or four months, and then immediately want to go to the half marathon or the marathon. Um, and that it's certainly doable, uh, but you're not really doing yourself any favors by just as soon as you accomplish that 5k goal, jump into the half and full, you know? So, but unfortunately I think society puts a, um, because I think people more impressed, especially people that don't run when you say, Oh, I ran a marathon. Oh, how far is that? You know, 42 kilometers, 25, uh, 26.2 miles. Um, you know, that's a, people look at that and say, Oh my God, you run that far. Um, whereas 
when you think about a 5K, you know, let's say you say, okay, well, I ran, you know, 21, 22 minutes on the 5K. If you said to somebody, well, that means I ran three miles in a row or, or you know, five kilometers in a row at seven minutes a mile or I, I can't do conversions in my head <laughs> that well, but whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is for uh, kilometers, um, you know, that's, that's super impressive too. Um, and I think that's when you, when you frame it to somebody like that, it, it makes the distance look a lot more, um, a, lot, a lot more special than, you know, just running 26 miles. Yeah. I mean, it's in the UK at least, I think, cause we've got the, well, you've got park runs as well, haven't you? Just not as many in the States. Right. It's definitely not as popular. Yeah. I mean, like uh, I looked it up, I think there's about 35 or something across the States. And I mean, alone from here, if I, if I ran four miles, I could probably get to about seven park runs, which happen yeah, every Saturday absolutely. morning. It's crazy. There's about, well, it's over 600 in the UK. And I think that's it's done great work. It's really a huge contributor towards getting people into running and they call it event instead of a race. They do time it, but it's all about just sharing um, inclusivity, which is fantastic. But I think one of the downsides of it is it has kind of made it, oh, yeah, 5K. People do that every week. You know, there's plenty of people who do the 5K. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously the, uh, the the fast runners at the front who who get some you know pretty decent times. But they're kind of treated as, oh, they're special elite people. We can never do that. But I always have this feeling that a lot of people struggling with that. Or they kind of, once you get to 25, between 25 and 20, they're kind of happy. And that's where they think that's where it ends. Yeah, but it's yeah. changing in training. I reckon we could see plenty more people getting in that sub 20 and playing around with the 17, 16s. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think I think the thing with the 5K is that um, working or – working to improve your 5k can have benefits across the spectrum of your running results. So running a faster 5k or, or working on being able to run a faster 5k is going to make you faster in the half marathon or marathon. Um, and I think that's uh, something I don't think people really understand quite well is that um, all of those distances um, kind of interchange with each other to getting better at one can help you get better at the other. Okay, so continue on that. How how can? Yeah, so I, I like to um, to use the analogy of, of of opening window blinds. So if we have, let's say we have all of your different physiological um, uh, elements. So we have just usually you know simplistically you have like your aerobic endurance, which would be what you use for the marathon, and then you have maybe your speed, which is what you use for a five k. And obviously that's very simplistic. Um, but if you look at a window blind, a lot of them have the two you know you pull on the two cords. Um, and if you pull on the two cords together, the whole window blind goes up pretty effortlessly. effortlessly. Uh, but when you pull on just one cord, and if, so if we envision if you, all you do is the marathon and you're just pulling on that one cord to improve your aerobic efficiency, if you've ever seen those window blinds, you know that one side goes up and then eventually you can't lift the blind anymore because the other side is kind of weighing it down. Um, so that's how I like to envision, that's how I like to uh, explain it to people is where now if you're not working on your speed, not working on your, you know, kind of the things that five training for a 5k can help then you're never actually lifting that other side of the window blind so you you start to plateau or the results start to you know you're diminishing returns so working on both allows you to kind of uh, elevate your total fitness running fitness uh, to a higher level that's really good i love talking to coaches because you have the best analogies (laughs) i think (laughs) i mean last in a couple of weeks ago uh, jason had his uh you can't put the icing on the cake until you've made the cake we were talking about plyometrics you just come i think you've just bettered it sorry jason but the blinds one very good i could see that as you were talking about it yeah you end up pulling and pulling on one cord you reach a point where amazing very very good yeah i like it um 
So if somebody wanted to start training for, let's imagine, I suppose they'd have to periodize it and think, right, I'm going to forget about long distance for the moment and just focus on the 5K. Uh, what sort of changes would they see themselves making in terms of frequency, intensity, type of workouts? Yeah, so the frequency really doesn't need to change much. Um, the two things that are going to change are running volume. And I think the thing that people mistake a little bit here is that your running volume doesn't necessarily, um, it only changes because generally speaking, the workouts and the long runs are shorter, right? So your easy day recovery mileage can pretty much stay the same. Um, you might shorten it a little bit if you're a little bit more sore than you might normally be. But for the most part, that recovery mileage can stay the same. Um, the two things that shorten are the long runs and then the workout. So, you know, if you're doing a 5K workout, doing 5 to 8K of, of hard training interval sessions is a lot of work. Whereas, you know, if you're training for the marathon, you might do two times 5K, three times 5K, something like that as a tempo workout. Um, so you're comparing 15K of volume versus, you know, 5 to 6K of volume. That's where your volume changes are going to really happen the most. Um, and so I think that's a misconception is people assume like, oh, I'm training for the 5K, uh, my volume is going to be a lot lower. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um, same thing with uh, training frequency. Um, you can pretty much keep up the same training fre frequency. It doesn't need to change too much um, because you're still going to use the same uh, amount of recovery, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, that's where things change. And then really just the big change comes in the type of workouts that you're doing. So instead of focusing on a lot of um, tempo aerobic work, which you still want to include um, in long runs, you're going to have a lot more uh, speed type sessions, uh, uh, speed endurance type sessions, those types of things. Yeah, I think sometimes that's what turns people off it. Somehow we've got to make intensity a little bit sexier. People love doing their long runs and going, oh, I ran kind of 15 miles today at mm -hmm. conversational pace. So right. it wasn't exactly hard during. Yeah. Uh, mentally, maybe just to keep going. But somehow we've got to because it is, I mean, both mentally and physically, it's it's going to be more intense, isn't it? Especially during yeah. your far legs and intervals and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a different level of intensity that you have to bring to pretty much all of the training sessions, um, especially when it comes to the speed work, that kind of stuff is you can't just go to the track and kind of lollygag your way through, you know, 12 by 400 um, that it, it's going to be hurt. It, you're going to, you know, you're going to be in the hurt lock of the last four, you know? Um, so I think, you know, what I tell athletes is to look at that as the challenge, right? And so really it becomes two things. You're looking at that, that pain or that, um, uh, the difficulty that comes at the end of a, a really hard speed session. Um, I think we've got to look at that as the challenge and that's what's making us grow, not only as an athlete, but as a person. Um, I would say that that's the, uh, the thing that I think most elite athletes, um, I think that's the takeaway they always pull into life is that they're able to, to recognize that the struggles and the, the pain that you go through, and pain is a, is a relative word, but you know, when, when it comes to whether it be work or school or whatever it may be, um, you're putting in that hard work for a result at the end. And, and I think athletes um, over time, uh, and you don't even have to be elite, but learn to take that, that what you learn in the running that, yeah, when you really don't want to do those last four intervals or et cetera, uh, that translates into the times in your life where you're like, man, I, I don't, I don't want to go to to get my advanced degree or whatever maybe because i got family and life and all this stuff and realizing that you put in the work for those two three four years that 
uh, in the end, you come out a lot better. And so I know that was a little bit of a tangent, but I think that's how we frame, how we can frame doing those, those lung busting sessions where we don't necessarily want to do them, is realizing that they're going to make us not only better as a runner, but stronger in life in general. That's good. I like that. Yeah. It's, and that can be very useful because I know, for example, I mean, when I see runners who are interested in increasing their or getting their PB and speeding up over the park one time, then one of the first things I ask is, have you ever considered going to the track? Have you considered joining a club? Because I think that's a kind of a fast ticket to it. You just change yeah. that chip, that environment. But we know that uh, probably one of the attractions of runners, especially recreational, is you can do it by yourself. You disappear. You don't have to think. You go for that glorious run. And, and that's what people get from running. Um, what about so, – so a lot of runners, they, they either feel intimidated and they think, if I go to a track, I'm going to be kind of the slowest. Let's start with that. Have you, have you come across runners who are a bit intimidated by the track? And do you have any uh, solutions? Yeah, not, not only just the track, but running in general. Um, going, showing up to a group run, whether it be, you know, no matter where it may be, um, showing up. I, I So we do running retreats every year. We do three tr retreats a year, one in the fall, spring, and winter. And we get about 20 athletes for each retreat. But I would say that 60% of the athletes email me at some point before the retreat and say, I'm really scared that I'm going to be the slowest one there. Is this running retreat really for me? And, um, you know, and, and that and I've coached group runs where we've had you know 50 to 100 people and again 60 70 percent of the runners will come up to me you know beforehand and say I'm really nervous and I'm going to be the slowest one and it's it's a there's no there shouldn't be a fear in that because runners are very welcoming um, you know I've run very very fast in my life and I love talking and being around all runners and I appreciate uh, one of the things we have to keep in mind with running is that running no matter how fast you are feels the same so when I broke 14 minutes for the 5K, that elation that I experienced was the same thing that the person that had been struggling to break 20 minutes for the 5K felt when they finally did it, or when the guy that was trying to run 25 minutes finally did it after two or three years of trying. Um, that feeling that you get is exactly the same. Um, so it doesn't matter where your speed is. And so I think runners have to remember that, that nobody's judging anybody for being fast or slow. Um, you know, I, I think all runners appreciate the how hard it is to run, how hard it is to to put yourself out there and to put in the work. Um, and we appreciate that whether you're running uh, fast or slow. So I think that's the first thing people need to remember is that runners, runners are a very welcoming group. And I'm sure you can attest to that of all the clinics and group stuff that you've done. You've never had athletes say, oh, why is this person here? They're so slow. You know, it's more, hey, this person's, you know, maybe if, if they are struggling or something, it's like, hey, how can we help, you know, make, make running a better experience for them? So I think that's the first thing to remember. Um, and I think the second thing is that, um, you know, everybody has to start somewhere. So just getting out there and doing it and putting the work, um, you're going to get faster uh, no matter what. So I think those are two important lessons to keep in mind, but it's a very common, common um, fear that people have. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great advice. I think, I mean, I have, I don't know whether it's a, I don't want to generalize. I mean, I've been to your neck of the woods. I've been in San Diego and I've hung out in California and Orange County. And you know what? I was surrounded by people who were smiling and really friendly the whole time to your face. In the UK, I do, I do get runners coming to me going, I tried that club and it was horrible. It was, you know, there was this comment or this face, or maybe it's their imagination, but I think in UK, some of the running clubs, maybe it's well, for the same reason, probably we're trying to leave the whole of the European Union. It's kind of this riding the ships of the sea and the 
again i might swear again but sadly a lot of my fellow countrymen do have this kind of superiority complex where we still think we're an empire i think it happens a little bit in some of the classic clubs uh-huh. where you do get the people at the top wearing their 1980s running shorts and vest and kind of like thinking oh you know this is for the elite but like a golf club mm-hmm. um so i think in the uk maybe you do have to pick your club wisely sadly uh but that said for every one that does stand out yeah there's another kind of 10 who will w- welcome you tell you stories about when they were the slowest in the pack and how they worked their way up so it's very true what you say i just want to pre-warn uk runners that you could come across some no some that's, that's that's a good point i i think i you make a good point there and i've heard that and seen that um and i think that's just the idea of like you said just making sure that you find the right club mm-hmm. because just like anything you know there could be a club that that's they're designed to be for faster runners. That's mm-hmm. the camaraderie that they have. You know, that's the social dynamics of the group. Um, and I don't, and I don't think that's wrong if that's what it is, um, because there are other groups that are designed for whatever they need. So I think that's across life, whether it be you know going to the gym or education-wise. Like there, there are groups that are for people that are experts in the industry, and there are people that are you know just beginners. So I, you're right. I think just need to look into kind of what group you're joining or where you're where you're heading. That was a much more diplomatic response than mine. It's true. (laughs) That's what I meant to say. In fact, when I edit this, I think I'm just, yeah. When I edit this, I'm just going to say what you just said. No, but because I look at it too, is that I've, you know, having been an elite, like I've always been really welcoming. And so, you know, I think there's a way like I could say to somebody, okay, like, hey, you know, I don't think this group's for you because we're all going to be running really fast and, you know, you might be better served by another group. But it would never be a judgment on them for for putting out there and trying, and it's and, and I would be upset if, as like like you are, if I was in a group and somebody was looking down upon somebody that was just starting, rather than say, trying to help them and saying, "Hey, like we're doing this, but you're going to be better served doing something else." Yeah, ninety nine percent. Let's yeah, the apple stray sometimes, but in general, one yeah, is a great totally people. Right. It, only takes one, it only takes one jerk to yeah. ruin the experience for everybody, you know. What about, um, because sometimes I get people who are adamant, um, I can tell from just the type of people they are, they're not ready to join a track, they're not ready. What changes can they make to their own running by themselves if they're kind of, you know, what? what, how can they change their sessions to direct them more towards the needs of um, getting better at 5K? Yeah, so I think the thing is you don't necessarily need a track. Um, You know, you can do those type of things on the road. You know, most of these workouts, you can adapt to doing them on the road. Um, or, you know, in the park or whatever. Um, so what I recommend, and I actually have coached a lot of athletes who do not have a track nearby. Um, in the United States, there are not a lot of public tracks. So I would say a majority of the athletes that we coach do not do their speed sessions on a track uh, because they're just not available. Um, so, you know, what we have, tell athletes to do is, you know, just find a place that's flat and, you know, smooth surface without a lot of traffic, whatever it may be, whether it's a park or their own street. Um, and then we, you know, nowadays with the Garmin devices, that's what, you know, Garmin, uh, all the other um, measuring devices, you know, people don't need to. But back in the day, when I, when I ran, we didn't have that, that fancy technology. So I would just mark out on the road 200 meters, 400 meters, 600, 800. Um, and that's how I would do my sessions uh, like that if I needed to. So um, if people are scared about going to the track, um, they can certainly find places that are, are a little bit more private and, um, able to do do the same exact workouts just you know the track is nice but it's not necessary 
that's good advice i mean i like i mean in the uk we've got lots of parks and we mm. even got courses i mean i recommend sometimes people like that sensation of going around a curb and pretending they're on a track you know what yeah. i mean yeah, so yeah. there's a there's some parks i'm thinking of where you can like you say measure out the distance measure out your 100 200 between a couple of trees or landmarks mm-hmm. and you know what when you're going around you can imagine you are who you want to be in your head as you pass those trees and reach your next one i think that's part of it. it's the mental thing isn't it especially with shorter Absolutely. distances yeah totally yep and that, that's where the track helps because you get you have the constant measurement of okay i'm at 100 meters and at two, you can kind of see where you're going to finish when you are running straight out on the road and it's like 400 meters like it's hard, you can't see the end, right? So you start and you're like, oh my God, where's the, you know, kind of where's the end point? So that's a mental trick that you just kind of have to work through. But yeah, um, you can certainly still do the work though. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think I keep thinking around in my head the differences mentally and physically. I mean, but obviously mentally on the long run, you just kind of like keep going, maybe don't look at the top of the hill. But I get the impression that for the shorter kind of interval stuff and, and the 5K sessions, You've got to be almost more present more of the time, have you? You've just got to be yeah. kind of... Uh, you do. That, and that's the hard part is you do have to be present. Um, you can't, you know, because as soon as you start to slack off, your pace is going to your pace is going to slow down. So, yeah. uh, and, and that's, that is the challenge. Like you said, with the long run, you can drift off and all of a sudden two, three miles go away and whatever you were thinking about, you know, didn't re- you don't remember the last 20 minutes, you know? Um, and that's the beauty. That's the meditation aspect of running, I think. Um, whereas the track, it's the more, you know, okay, I'm going to be here. I'm going to work, you know, so definitely, definitely different mind sh- uh, mindset. What about in the race though? As somebody who's run that fast 5k, I mean, what are you thinking during those kind of 14, 15 minutes? Yeah. Is it- um, so I always look at, so the fi- with the 5k, especially um, the la- the middle two thirds or the middle, I guess, one of the third quarter of it is really where the hard part of the race starts. So you're going to start the 5K. You're going to probably feel good for the first, definitely first kilometer, maybe the first two kilometers. Um, you're going to feel pretty good. Um, and what you want to focus on there is just making sure that you don't overdo it um, because it's pretty easy to go out fast. Um, but once you hit that 1500 to 2K mark, if, you, if you've gone out fast, that's where it's going to kind of hit you and the monkey's going to jump on your back. Um, so, you know, just focus on, you know, making sure that you stay at a pace that, you know, you control for the first 1500, 2K. <clears throat> and then from roughly 2.5K to probably 4K is where really the hard part of the 5K is, um, because that's when you really have to dig down and, and stay focused. And so I think that's where the race falls apart for almost everybody that has ever had a bad 5K or is trying to run a fast time and can't do it that from about two and a half K to four K is where you really need to focus. Um, and then really the last K kind of comes down to, you know, gearing up for the kick and kind of putting it all out there. So um, that's how I have I've always approached it is kind of trying to mentally relax the first two K really focusing on two K to four K and, and making sure that I stay present and, and keep my pace where it needs to be. And then obviously the last K just kind of giving it all I have. Yeah. How do the um, breaking it down like into maybe kilometer splits? How do they generally kind of go? Does it is it different if you're just starting out, or whether you're actually hitting a race? Are you looking for? No, not really. Um, I always recommend people being at least trying to be as even paced as possible, um, or if anything, a little bit slower on the front end. Um, so you know, let's just say that your splits were you know five kilometers, uh, five um, kilometers per. 
how am I trying to say this? Five kilometer pace. Um, so, <laughs> um, so you know, your first kilometer, you want to be around five, five oh five. Second one, five, five oh five. Third, fourth, five, five oh five. And then that last kilometer, try to pick it up. You know, that's when you can try to run as fast as you can. Um, because what happens is, if you go too fast early, you put yourself in kind of an anaerobic state where, and it's very difficult to get out of that. Um, so once you've kind of gone into a, a state where you're kind of anaerobic, where you're, you're producing too much lactate, it's very, very difficult to, for your body to get out of that. It has to slow down drastically. Whereas if you can ride that line and be right on that line, then you're gonna able to main, maintain that pace. And then for the last kilometer, use whatever you have left. Whereas if you go out too fast, then you're, you know, the monkey jumps on the back. Uh, you have to slow down dramatically just to get back into a point where you're feeling comfortable. And then then you're mentally off your game as well. So it totally ruins your race. I guess that's where the coaching comes in. And because, I mean, how do people calculate what their pace should be? Yeah, so yeah, I definitely think that's, you know, I mean, in terms of calculating your pace, you would definitely just say, okay, if my goal is to run 25 minutes, then you just break it down per kilometer. Um, you know, in terms of determining what that goal should be, that's where kind of a coach does really help uh, because, it, you know, the goal is going to be dependent on what your trainings look like, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's where, um, that's where the coach does help is, is coming up with the goal. Yeah. Cause I mean, again, it's similar to the same mistake that people make on any race is starting off too fast and you do yeah. see it every, every, every race, whether it's oh, yeah. or a marathon. Definitely. But I mean, with runners who I help and, and give advice to then, especially beginning runners who are just starting to take the 5k seriously, then I still, yeah, like you say, I recommend that the first K or two there, they feel like they're saving a little bit in the tank just to make mm -hmm. sure they're not, Gung ho, going out crazy, right. and then have nothing left. Um, yeah, you can still like, easily bonk on. You can still find yourself, like you say, in the in the, in the third quarter, and that's it. Yeah, um, you know, and I, so I think the the key to this is, and and this is I think across anything you're doing in training or racing, <clears throat> is that you need to train for what you want to do on race day, right? So in this case, we're talking specifically about two things: one, starting out slower or maintaining, you know, not going out fast. You can train to do that. Right. So you can train yourself in your workouts to <clears throat> one of the downfalls of having all these devices where we can, you know, measure everything. Right. Is that we don't learn how to feel what it feels like to run faster than we're supposed to or slower than we're supposed to. <clears throat> we're just always looking at our watch. And so I think you can do workouts where you say, OK, well, I want to run this kilometer in five minutes. Right. And so you turn off or don't look at your Garmin and you say, what does five kilometers feel like? What does that pace feel like? and you know go out and do it and see how close you were were you slow were you fast and then for the next kilometer if you need to run five a five minute pace then you're going to do it again and see how you adjust right and you do that over a course of 10 12 14 16 weeks you're going to get better at it each and every time so I, I think that's what i recommend to people is is practicing it in training just like you would um, any other thing. You can't go into a race and say, well, I've never practiced trying to run this pace before or slowing down, etc. I can't expect to do it on race day. <clears throat> That's really nice advice. Yeah. Taking the watch off sometimes and just getting in touch with your body and knowing, you know, what pace it feels like you're going. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Um, how about um, types of sessions? I mean, do you still need the long run? Is that still advantageous for, a, for a, if you're... Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I definitely think you still need to have uh, long runs, not super long. So, you know, what I would say with the long runs is you still need them, but you don't need them to be quite as long as you do for the half and marathon. Um, and same with tempo sessions. Um, you still need to include them, uh, but they're just not as frequent um, and maybe not as intense. So, you know, maybe having that, maybe having a tempo session once every two weeks or once a week, but it's a little bit, um, it's still, it's, it's not the main focus of your week, uh, weekly workout. Um, so you still need to include all the things because, you know, when we talk about 5K and even when we talk about the marathon, they're not independent when it comes to the, the, the physio physiology of the, the run, right? So you're, you're relying on different, or the, the, I would say that the exercise physiology, the physio physiological aspects are heavily slanted towards one, like towards aerobic endurance versus speed. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're not using both, right? It's not a one or the other. It's a combination. So you need to work on both. Okay, interesting. And, and I, think, I think getting into the 5K type of workouts, um, I think there, there's a, common, a lot of common misconceptions when it comes to the 5K workouts that are going to be best for uh, producing results. So here's, here's like the example that I always like to use. Is so um, I think when people run the 5K, they always assume I need, to, I need more speed workouts, right? I need to be faster. Um, and we typically do those workouts like maybe it's 12 times 400 meters with a 300-minute um, rest, something like that, um, a, VO, a straight kind of VO2 max type workout. And what I always say to people is it's not always um, – direct or exact, I should say maximum speed that you need to work on, right? So if we look at, um, let's say a, a 21 minute 5k runner, that's going to be, and I, I, I'm more familiar with uh, minutes per mile, so I'm going to use that, but I, I, I hope it'll translate. Um, that means, you know, you need to be able to run about a seven minute mile, seven minutes per mile to run that pace, right? But if you, if you can run a, a 21, 30, 22 minute 5k pace, then you can probably run 400 meters in you know probably 80 seconds something around those those lines which is far faster than you need to be able to do to, to run a far faster than seven seven minute pace um, is that making sense yeah definitely yeah so your, your your actual speed or i guess you should say your maximum speed is totally fine you have enough speed to run a 21 minute 5k what you don't have is the ability to maintain that speed for five kilometers and so we call that speed endurance right so that's where your weakness is and then that's where most people really struggle is that yeah okay you can run uh one mile in seven minutes but you can't do it three times so speed endurance is the ability to run that seven minute mile three times and so that's those are the types of workouts that you need to have in your training that are going to take you from or that are really going to help you break through that plateau rather than saying and so the way you do that is in saying okay and rather than saying, I'm going to do 12 times 400 meters as fast as I can with a lot of rest, you say, I'm going to do 12 times 400 meters at my goal race pace with very short rest or jogging rest. And so now you're still working on the speed, but you're also working on an endurance aspect. Um, you don't start with 12 by 400. You might start with six or eight times 400 meters. Um, so you should be able to do roughly a quarter or half of, of your race pace. And then over the course of the training week, so after you know, 12, 16, 20 weeks, you increase that. So first, maybe you start out with six times 400 at race pace with 30 seconds rest. You know, two weeks later, it's eight. Two weeks later, it's 10. Two weeks later, it's 12. You know, and then, um, and then obviously you're kind of approaching race day. And then you can obviously change the, <clears throat> I always recommend too, you can change the distance. So you can say, 
first week it's uh, six times 400, and then it's um, you know six times 800, something like that, six times 600. Um, so you can play with those variables, but the idea is you're not necessarily working on your maximum speed, you're working on your ability to maintain that speed over the course of the distance that you want to run. Yeah, that's really well said. I always struggle that when I'm trying to kind of present to runners saying uh, in, in races, it's not a case of running fast. It's being able uh -huh. to maintain a pace for a certain period of time. And uh -huh. you always get that quizzical look at Nomad because if you run faster, you're going to get there quicker. And it's like, yeah, I know that, but <laughs> we could all kind of run probably a you know five minute mile but we won't do it for a mile we'll do it for kind of like 10 seconds down the road right you know that's what they've got as endurance even over a short distance it's still really an endurance kind of uh yeah. sport yeah um, so your training has to reflect that now that's very that's really good advice it's interesting and again this is why when i started off in the intro a lot of i think a lot of park runners they they, they think a coach is for something either more elite or for a longer distance, but they could gain so much from actually seeing a coach and breaking their training session down, can't they, into the appropriate kind of micro cycles and things with these distances and, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, totally. And, and I think, too, you know, the big part is seeing the big picture, right? Because that's where I think runners really struggle is they're so focused on what they're doing for that next 12 weeks, 16 weeks for that coming race that they don't think about how does that build into my next race or build into the, the next. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but that, I think that's the big thing. How about when, I mean, the other advantage of a 5k, well, it can be advantage or disadvantage is in terms of marathon, really in terms of getting a PB, you're only going to have a goal of maybe even one or two marathons a year. You might do other ones, but in terms of flat out getting your best time, you're only sensibly going to have a couple, three at the most. Right. When it comes to 5K and you're trying to have that actual A race where you're getting a maximum time, how many? How often should that come? Yeah, so that's a nice thing is that with, um, so there's two, I guess there's a couple angles you come at this, right? So you, no matter, if you're going for a 5K personal best, you still have to have a training or a, I guess a racing block, right? You can't just race. so. I guess let me back step. I would say that you can probably try for a PR every two to three weeks. Um, I think that's a, a good amount of time where you still have a little bit, of, you still have some training sessions in between the races to improve and get better, uh, recover, et cetera. So two to three weeks is a good time space between 5Ks where you can uh, still find time to get to improve. But the thing is you can't do that forever, right? So you need to still have a training block where you say, okay, over this, maybe two month period, that's going to be my 5k racing block, right? Um, so I think I wanted to preface that to say, you know, you can't just do a 5k every two, three weeks and expect to consistently improve year after year. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the nice part about the 5k is that, in, you know, you could even do one a week for a short period, you know, maybe three weeks, you could do one every week. Um, that would be fine too at the end of your training block uh, where you've put all the training in and now you're just racing. So that is the really nice part is that all your marbles are in one basket, especially with the marathon where there's so many things that can go wrong that are outside of your fitness. So if the 5K show up and it's, you know, 35 degrees Celsius and, you know, you're like, okay, PR is out the window, you know, the next week it might be better weather or uh, I'm not feeling great today. I'm under the weather, whatever, that you still have the next week. So that, that is the, the huge advantage, um, is the, the frequency at which you can race. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And that's something which hopefully would help runners 
contemplate maybe putting a bit more effort into concentrating on the 5k instead of these halves and fulls mm -hmm. is the return for the time you especially the time you invest as well i mean like you're not having to go out and you know miss your family for two and a half three hours on sundays you know because you've got hit those miles in you can you can lead a normal life and still get the sessions in some of them might be two three mile sessions which won't take hardly any time at all right uh, and still get your pbs and feel really proud about yourself on race day yeah totally it's a much it can be a much what i try and sell it as is just a healthier lifestyle it'll fit in better on on all sorts of levels of stress and family and nutrition and yeah absolutely yeah for i think for a lot of people absolutely and i, and I think yeah totally that's that's a great point yeah um what about um what was I so you said you could go for pb two to three uh, every two to three weeks is that dependent on level um no i would say it's i would say it's more dependent on what your training looks like um because you need to have um a kind of a a foundation of training before you kind of can do that right and, and that's why i recommend two to three weeks because you know if you're doing week to week that's okay for a short period but the problem is then you, you never have any time in between that to improve so let's say that each race is on a sunday just for simplicity's sake you race on sunday you're probably going to need at least two days recovery you know um so then your next hard session is wednesday so you can run a hard session on wednesday but then your next race is sunday so you're really only getting in one hard session a week to improve your ability you know so that's great at the end of a training cycle when you've pretty much put in all the work and you're just really trying to maintain your fitness and that's what the elites do when they do with diamond league races etc is they've put in a huge training block and in between all of those races that they do they're just maintaining um and that's what that would look like with a two to three week span then you can say okay i've recovered on sunday next hard session on wednesday now you have another 10 to 14 days of training that you can put in where you can interrupt your fitness a little bit so that the next one you're a little bit fitter um and so uh that's why i recommend those two to three two to three uh, weeks in between that's good. Uh, regardless yeah. you need to have that training block um in, in, you know behind you yeah it makes a lot of sense a lot of sense um one of the other advantages i guess well again the great thing about 5k distance as well is you've got so many different routes and places where you can run this 5k and you can go back to the same event every week if you want you're not waiting for this one marathon in your town which happens once a year or something so you can measure your progress over the same distance the same route can't you but i think a disadvantage as well is i know a lot of runners who just find it really hard to go to that 5k park run for example and not give it their everything every time because they're running yeah. against the same people the same faces if they take it slower they see someone in the club who's running past them and they're like oh no i, I can go faster than them any tips for advice or do you just stay away from one particular route and save one route for your pb or what can yeah you so, yeah so i would say that you know because this is the issue that we run in with a lot of athletes that do park runs because we coach a lot of runners from the uk and the problem is they say well i want to do the park run every week right and that's okay is if you if you structure that into your training in the sense of i'm going to use this as a workout right so maybe like i recommend athletes they do something where they do like a cut down so they start out the first mile kind of on the slow end maybe like marathon pace second miles like 10 mile uh, 10k pace last miles as fast as you can that's a good workout right but obviously it's not going to lead to your best time but if you're trying to go out there every week and run your fastest time you really you're not going to ever get any better right you're, you're kind of missing a training session there 
Um, so yeah, what I recommend to runners is either taking the ego out of it and saying, okay, you're right. Uh, this guy's going to beat me this time. I'm not going to run as fast as I, I know I can, et cetera, et cetera. Take the ego out and say, he's not doing what I'm doing. I'm in my own thing. Right. And I think that's the thing to remember about running is that it's, it's really should be about what, what does it do for me? Right. The competitive aspect can be there. Um, but it really should be deep down. I want to become a better runner for me, you know? Um, so I think that's one aspect is just taking that part out of it. Um, and second, like you mentioned, is if, if there is a competition factor there that really either motivates you or makes it difficult for you to not race as fast as you can, just find another location or, or find a, something else you can do that you don't have to go back to that specific one every week. And you can just go during the weeks where you are giving it your all. Yeah, I think is. Uh, I mean, it does inside from again knowing so many runners who do park run the i can't think of one who would do the first k at marathon pace it's just like they'd be crying you'd have to hold them back on bungee cores or something but (laughs) my advice normally to them is you're not going to be able to run your regular park run at a slower pace it's gonna Mm -hmm. one first it's not gonna be fun for you two whether you stick to the plan is probably it's not going to happen so yeah i tend to say to people look either just go to a different park run where they everyone knows that at that park run you're a, a training runner you're not uh-huh. going for your PB in that park run. you've got nothing to prove but then also i think the advantage is if you've got one route which is for your pb then it kind of increases that imagine you're doing it every three weeks right it increases that kind of desire inside a release where you're actually at race day yeah um, totally. performance as well mm-hmm. uh, but it's tricky because I don't know about in the States, but in the UK, it's such a socially ingrained thing. Again, this is the pros and cons of Park Run. Mm-hmm. Um, social aspect is so huge. And every week, people look forward to being able to show off to themselves, yeah, but also exactly. to their friends. Yep, uh, absolutely. It's not a bad thing. That's what gives them the stimulus to do it, which is great. Right. But I think what we're learning from this is if you really want to get a PB, then you just you can't. You've got to change the chip. You can't show off every week, can you? Yeah. And I, and I think one thing that I have said to people and that are in the same situation is, okay, look, you can approach it your way and you can run as hard as you can every week at your five, at your park run. And you're going to stay at this level, right? I can pretty much guarantee that, or, you know, incrementally get better. Right. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to check my ego at the door, maybe show up, not show up every week, whatever it may be, but I'm going to implement the right advice. And what that means is that in three, four months, you're going to be here. You know, you're going to be significantly better than you were here. So you can either stay at that place and keep struggling, or you can just kick some ass and, you know, get where you want to go uh, if you just restrain yourself a little bit. So I think that's kind of how I like to, to present it to people is like, hey, give me three, four months here, uh, and I'm going to put you at a different level to the point where you're going to look back at your old self and, and, and all of your old competitors and say, oh, man, I'm kicking your butt now. Um, you give yourself that time, you know. Or you can beat your head against the wall, which many runners do. <laughs> exactly. I think this is, again, where the where the online coaching and, for example, Runners Connect can help so much, where you've got that big brothers watching you kind of thing. You've got to report back. You've got to tell someone what you did. Um, I think one of the appeals, because I'm thinking of, like, one runner in particular, who I won't name, but, um, yeah, he gets emails. I, I see him, and he's like, oh yeah jeff told me off because i did this or i shouldn't have done that and jeff's mad at me and i've I've said to jeff i'm feeling tired so jeff's kind of said okay right we'll bring and it's kind of this personal relationship um and i think that's it is a big brother thing where i think that's a really good 
way of of training and getting the best out of your sessions where you know you've got to sign in report tell someone what you did mm-hmm. and they're going to tell you off if you did bad or they're going to animate you and especially if they're doing it in american accent which i suppose you can type in american accent you know <laughs> let's leave the eagle at the door I mean, that's an expression which would just kind of like tell anyone in the uk what to do it's great um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. And I think the other, the big part, the other big aspect of it too is, you know, having the confidence that you have a plan, right? So, like I said, my my example there was if you put in the work, three months later you're going to get better. It's difficult to um, to keep up with that when you don't see yourself making the progress, right? Or you know, because especially you're going to go through sessions ups and downs. Um, it's difficult to stay on that track when you say, man, am I really getting any better here? Like, you know, it's easy to if you don't have a coach to say. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go back to the the latest fat. You know, this I talked to this guy at the park run, and he said he does this workout, and you know I'm gonna do that now too. And you know, it's it's tough to not listen to those things when you don't have a coach because you just keep doubting yourself. Um, that's something that helps a lot is just having that. Okay, I'm gonna put my trust in this plan, and um, you know, and once you've been working with a coach for a while and you've seen results, like it's much easier to trust even bigger jumps in your belief of, of kind of what's going on, but that helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. It's good. I would definitely want to see after this. You have to let me know. I want to know if there's a surge of UK park runners have signed up to run <laughs> connect <laughs> net to, uh, yeah. And then we'll keep track of their results. No, it's a great, it's um, yeah. Um, I'm sold. I'm just hoping that listeners and therapists as well, because another thing we haven't really got that much time to talk about, but in clinic, I very rarely see people injured who have got injured by doing park run. It's just the, the injury rate seems to be less, and it kind of makes sense when you look at the majority of injuries are caused by um, overload and mm-hmm. over repetition. But um, you could almost say that you're probably going to get less injuries if you just focus on 5K distance. Would you say that's fair? So, you know what, Matt? I'm actually going to disagree with you on that one. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you're going to appreciate that because um, I think it always likes the debate. So, the reason I disagree is that I think the injury rates are about the same. And the reason is you get different types of injuries. So like you said, with the marathon, half marathon, you're going to get a lot of overuse injuries, and that's going to be kind of primarily what you deal with. But I think with the 5K and shorter distances, you're going to get a lot. Uh, what, what I see happen is people get more acute injuries, muscle pulls, um, uh, not necessarily tears, but can be tears. But, you know, things that are more acute because what happens is people – uh, here's a difficult thing about the 5K, and this goes back to our talk about speed and that kind of thing, is uh, you are able to run a lot faster than potentially what your body is ready for. So, you know, when we look at, you know, when we look at our metabolic system, we may, able to, we may be able to go out and run a five-minute mile pace, right, metabolically for 200, 300, 400 meters. But if we don't do that often, if we don't prepare ourselves in, kind of with a foundation first, then when our body goes to do that, our calves, our hamstrings, you know, they are not ready for that. They are not ready for, for running those types of paces. So that's when you get those acute injuries. Um, same thing with uh, with the 5K. It's a lot easier to go faster. So if I if I said to you, I'm going to go and run 12 by 400 meters at X pace, it's very easy for runners to say, well, X pace, I can run faster than that, and you do it. But your body's not ready for it. So you're going to get those more acute injuries. So that's where I would say that, um, the injury rate would be about the same. Um, luckily, I would say, maybe not luckily, but um, with the, those more acute injuries, they tend to be a little easier to treat, right? If you pull your calf muscle, 
you pretty much just have to treat the calf. Once that gets better and stronger, you're pretty much able to get back to running. Whereas, you know, if you have like overuse injuries can be compensation from a myriad of different places. Now you've got to start figuring out where it's coming from, you know, that kind of stuff. So the, the, the rehab can be a lot longer. So that can be a little bit more difficult, but, um, but that's where I disagree, where I, but I do think the injury rate itself can actually be a little bit higher when you take into account acute injuries. Oh, I can see that. I can see in the sense of maybe if you, yes, start that fast interval too quickly or too suddenly maybe, or you don't have appropriate warm up, or. Yeah, or just, I, I think a lot of it's just not having the foundation. Like, so you and I both talk a lot about um, the prep work, you know, whether it be um, prehab, um, pre-run uh, warm-ups, all that kind of stuff. So many runners skip that stuff, right? Mm. And so if you're not, if you don't have the foundation of, you know, doing the strength work, doing, you know, having a strong core, all of that stuff, if you don't have all of that, then you're going to be really susceptible to those types of injuries when you overdo it, when you go too fast, too soon. Um, same thing if you don't warm up properly, right? So how many runners just say, okay, well, I got 12 by 400 today, I'm going to maybe do a, a couple kilometer warm up and then get right into the workout and not say, okay, I need to do, you know, my, my lunch matrix, my, my pre run stretching, all that kind of stuff. Like they just mm. skip that. And so that's where you're going to run into that a little bit more. Whereas hopefully if, as we continue to educate people that will do less and less of that. Uh, but I see, I think that's a, a um, something a lot of runners do. No, that's wise words. I'll, I'll reframe it. People have less chronic, persistent, unexplained injuries when they're doing shorter 5k's when you get injured you know what's caused it and you can rectify it quicker yeah and take steps too yeah that's cool i like that thank you thank you for disagreeing with me i like that it's probably a first i think in 30 episodes i like this it'll start with something new that's great um well look where are we oh 528 already damn wanted to talk about so much more um i wanted to ask whether quickly uh cross training i mean in in distance running then some cycling uh, might mm -hmm. be a really good idea to reduce the load. If you're concentrating on 5K distance, is it best to keep time on feet or have you got any advantages from cross training? No, I would, I would say it's the same across any distance you're trying to race. Um, the more the more you can run, the more specific you can be to what your goal is, obviously the better that is. Um, but you know, if you're not able to run the miles that you want to, whether it be for injury, whatever reasons, then yes, supplementing with cross training is, is definitely good. Um, it's always good to be a better athlete. So. You know, I look at cross training too as, as, as the strength work, all that kind of stuff. Um, but even the aerobic cross training work can be good as well. Brilliant. Okay. Well, we went out of time, mate. But fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, everything we haven't talked about and everything that a 5K uh, runner could want to know is all on the website, isn't it? You've got a fantastic yeah. blog selection. Thank you. Um, you've got um, courses as well, which obviously people from around the world can do. It's all very online friendly um so anybody who wants um either coaching or that just has to go to runnersconnect.net yep yeah runners Connect. Right. um the front page there will have a, a sign up box you can sign up and we'll send you a free course uh for whatever distance you're training for um and over email and we also have the blog so runnersconnect.net slash blog um and then i think at the top of that section there's a uh we have guides for every race distance so 5k to the ultra marathon um they give you different workouts etc so definitely check that out that's great yeah it's a really friendly website it's good to see and of course you've got the podcast which is still going strong with the yep. lovely steph yes yep uh the podcast is uh, fantastic we do uh, the weekly one where we interview uh people and then we have a daily podcast actually as well where each of our coaches 
kind of talks about a different topic for seven to 10 minutes. Um, either whatever has been on their own mind when it comes to training or things that we're seeing in the community that people are struggling with, have questions, et cetera. Um, so that's a, that's a fun one as well. Just as a quick, you know, five to seven, five to 10 minute listen. That's great. I didn't know about the five to the five to 10 minute one. Is that available for everybody? Or is that part yeah, of Runner yeah, Connect it, members? Uh, it's it's uh, run to the top uh, extra kick is what we call oh, it. Oh, right. I'll have to look that out. I didn't yeah, realize. It's, it's, well, a lot of people like it on their daily runs or mm. you know, queue them up for the weekend and you get 30 minutes of, of, of episodes there. So that's pretty good. Oh, fantastic. I should look out for that. I'm definitely going to try and get Steph on the podcast because she sounds like she's got a huge wealth of information, she does. Um, which I'd love to share. She was very entertaining and, and it was a real pleasure to. It was lovely to be back on the um, Runners yeah, Connect definitely. podcast after kind of four or five years. Yeah. To get a chance yeah. to talk about what had changed. That was really cool. I enjoyed yeah. that. Um, good. Right, dude. Well, what I'm going to do then is um, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Um, I'm going to chuck you down to the lobby again for a sec right. while I say goodbye to anyone who's watching and listening, and then I'll come back down and join you and say thank okay. you. All right. Thank you okay, for mate. Thanks for coming along, Jeff Gordet. Right. What a dude. How great. Uh, the voice of experience. Brilliant. Um, yes. Um, like I say, uh, details will be in the notes, but Runners Connect is a, is a great website. There's so much value on it. Well, value. Most of it's free. So uh, the blogs, and there's a great team of writers there and the courses um, I've, I've looked through and definitely verified that their their prime focus is on the evidence. So you're going to be in good hands. Hopefully in this episode, um, you can see the value of coaching, online coaching, um, especially when you've got a tangible goal you want to work towards. Um, and that includes 5K. It's not all about just getting that marathon anymore. Um, you can lead a much happier, healthier life both in sort of in terms of the physiology, I still think there's less chance of getting a chronic issue through injury, but I didn't tell him that, you know, because I didn't want to disagree with him. I can see him in the lobby laughing, but, um, but yeah, um, definitely the, the psychosocial elements, you know, the living with other people, you're going to be a far less grumpy, more popular person. If you're just doing short um, sessions during the week rather than disappearing for two hours, believe me. Um, so yeah. Um, thank you much as always for joining us. Um, tickets for the conference we mentioned, the RCL International Running Conference, are still available. Uh, that's in October 30, 31st in Brighton, our hometown. Um, so you can see details of that on rcl2019.eventbrite.com or you can go to the website uh, runchatlive.com. All details of all 10 speakers um, are on there. Um, thanks again to our sponsors, the Brighton Beard Company. Um, like I say, go check out the website, use the promo code RCL15 and you'll get 15% off, uh, which is, uh, yeah, I can't sing their praises enough. I'm still smelling this uh, latest product, which they kindly send me. So, yeah, check them out uh, next week. Let's come to that time again. Dun, dun, dun. What do we got? I'd be useless without my phone. Um, oh, you know what? I might have a break next week. Oh, I think I've got a break next week. How lovely. Uh, keep an eye on the social media. I think I've got a holiday next week. I think I've left myself a gap. I knew after Jeff and the amount of information we had to download, I need a break. So, yeah, enjoy this episode. Um, you've got two weeks for it to soak in. And as always, leave us some comments. Let us know whether this has changed your image of a 5K. And um, and if you do sign up with Runners Connect, then keep in contact. Let us know how it goes. Right, so that's it. Um, thank you very much once again. This has been episode 30 of Run Chat Live. And we'll say thank you and adios. 
You're listening to Run Chat Live podcast, putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.